Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Northcross. Luke Doris is off today, but he'll be back here on the podcast soon. This is podcast number eight of Hurricane Season 2020 and podcast number 46 of our series. And this is a special one. I'm following up a story that started last hurricane season when I started talking about a hurricane that happened, it turns out, 132 years ago today. It was August 16th, 1888, today being August 16th, 2020. The hurricane that came ashore on that day, according to the official database, happened right over there. I'm looking out over South Beach right now, and it came ashore over Miami Beach at that time, although there was no Miami Beach, but it came over the barrier island and then moved over the mainland of Florida into the Gulf of Mexico. That's what the official database says. But I got to thinking about it, got to thinking about the history of Miami Beach, the history accounts of Miami, and I got to thinking, boy, if there was a big, strong hurricane at that time, surely the historical accounts, not the meteorological accounts, but the historical accounts, would have talked about it some more, and I just couldn't recall any talk about a hurricane in that general time frame. In the official database, it says it was a Category 3 or stronger, estimated 125 mile per hour winds or more, according to the official database. So it just seemed like there should be more historical record. It should be in the historical record more often because there were people here then. There were actually some communities scattered around. Miami only had about nine people uh, living there, but there was uh, some development on Miami Beach in the 1880s, and there were a few communities over on the mainland as well. So I thought we really should know more about this. So I started looking into it, and then I was talking about it on the podcast, and a podcast listener said, wait a minute, I know something about that, and here's where you can get more information from the National Archives about that time. And uh, so I did that. One thing led to another, and now we have more information. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm calling this the 1888 Miami Beach Hurricane Mystery. Did it happen or not? A storm happened. There's no question about it. The question is, what kind of storm was it? And was it a hurricane? And was it in Miami Beach? So here is what the official database says. This is called HERDAT2. It's the official hurricane database uh, maintained by the National Hurricane Center. And there you see it on August 16th, 1888, about two o'clock in the afternoon, estimated winds of 125 miles per hour, category three at least, it says. And there is the estimated location, which is essentially Miami Beach, uh, kind of the north end of Miami Beach, uh, actually. But that's where the estimate is. And certainly if there were a Category 3 hurricane that came ashore there, much of South Florida would uh, have felt the effects of that. So let's take a look at the uh, weather map from the time. And here it is. And notice it's about the same. It shows the storm coming ashore in uh, Miami or over Miami, more or less, going out uh, over Naples, plus or minus, and then up and into Louisiana over here. That was the weather map that was drawn in 1888. And we'll see uh, more information about how good or bad that was here in just a second. Also, here are a couple of accounts in some history books. One called Florida's Hurricane History by an author named Jay Barnes. Very, very reputable history, has a lot of details, an excellent Florida hurricane history book. And about the 1888 hurricane, 
It says the storm surge was reported at 14 feet on the beaches near Miami. Now, a 14-foot storm surge on the beach here in Miami Beach would be humongous. That would be more than the uh, great Miami hurricane of 1926. So if it really was 14 feet, which it probably wasn't, but you know, when you get the waves on top of storm surge, I mean, the measurements can get a little funky. Uh, so the thinking is, okay, but that's good evidence that if you have some big storm surge, let's say it's eight feet or nine feet or 10 feet, doesn't make any difference. It's still a strong hurricane. So that's what contributed to the fact that in the database, this hurricane is taken to be uh, quite strong because there are other reports, general reports from the time that show that it was not that strong, that effects were minimal, the, the words were used. But that 14-foot that storm surge report implies that it has to be super strong. It also says in the, this book here, damages in South Florida were widespread, although few communities were established there at the time. All right, so that's one uh, analysis report. And and when that book was put together, a lot of data was uh, indeed compiled to put that uh, together. Now, let's move on to talk about that 14-foot storm surge. Well, it turns out I was not able to trace that report back before this book called Florida Hurricane and Tropical Cyclones. And indeed, it shows 14 feet of maximum storm surge in the August 1888 hurricane and refers to a NOAA publication from 18, from 1987 uh, as where that report came from. Well, looking at the NOAA publication, I don't see that in there. So I think what happened was this got mixed up probably with the 1926 hurricane or perhaps a hurricane somewhere else in 1888. There was another Hurricane that hit Florida by Cedar Key had pretty high storm surge up there. So uh, that's uh, what I'm thinking is that that is actually erroneous data, which led to the assumption of the very strong hurricane in Miami Beach. So that's our first data point. And if you recall, there was some thinking that, well, there weren't many people here in 1888, so it's kind of hard to know exactly what happened. Well, it turns out there was somebody very important here in 1888, and they was it was a, a keeper at the Biscayne Bay House of Refuge. So houses of refuge were built along the coast, and they were built there in case ships wrecked on the reef, and there was somebody there to help the shipwreck victims. So these houses were actually built so that uh, the uh, family that uh, lived there all the time lived downstairs, and then you had a big dormitory upstairs, and that's where people that were involved in shipwrecks would come and stay until they could be rescued. So you had houses of refuge built along the coast every 25 miles, plus or minus. Well, it turns out that the house of refuge that was built in what is today Miami Beach, right there you see it on the map of the time, was built just north of a little development area called Atlantic Heights. Well, Atlantic Heights actually exists still today in Miami Beach. It's just south of 71st Street in Miami Beach, and the House of Refuge was just north of what is today 71st Street in Miami Beach. So there was a guy who lived in that house, and that guy kept a log. 
And the first glimpse I had of that log came from a historical research paper done by famed Miami historian Thelma Peters some years ago. Now, here is her synopsis of that log. And the first thing I noticed was there's no mention of the hurricane on August 16th. But there is a mention two days later on August 18th, 1888, that three guys arrived to visit. One was a guy named H. Smith, and he came from Key West. And then two guys named Field and Burks came from Lake, and Lake, in this case, meant Lake Worth up near today's Palm Beach. So I got to thinking, well, if people are arriving by boat two days after a big hurricane, something is wrong because you wouldn't be arriving with the seas and you wouldn't be in a small boat uh, kind of uh, coming all the way from Key West or coming down the coast if a big hurricane had come in, had done a lot of damage along the coast, and uh, the ocean was all chopped up. So it seemed like something had to be a little funny. And indeed, uh, it was, and here's what it was. I got the official log from the National Archives, and it turns out that that guy took weather reports three times a day as well. And here is the weather report from the Biscayne Bay House of Refuge. That's the one on Miami Beach on August 16th, 1888. There's the script right there, and I put it down at the bottom so you can read it a little more easily. And notice he, he took the reports at sunrise, at noon, and at sunset. At sunrise, he said there was a northeast gale with heavy squalls and very high surf. Now, I think that's high. The word, uh, the script, it's written in 1888, handwriting and abbreviations. But in any case, it makes sense to be very high surf. Then at noon, the wind is coming from the northwest. So northeast coming at sunrise, coming in from the northeast. And then it's coming from the northwest by noon, still heavy squalls and very high surf. And at sunset, southeast gale it says. Uh, so it's all, he reports a gale all these times, heavy squalls, very high surf, coming from the southeast at sunset. So the idea is it comes from the northeast uh, when it starts today, then it goes to the northwest, and then it comes from the southeast. So indications are that a storm moved by this location, but had to come from the east and then move by north of this location. Well, it turns out that this Biscayne Bay House of Refuge in today's Miami Beach is not the only House of Refuge. There was another one. And the next one up the coast was in Fort Lauderdale. And it was located right where the Bonded House is today. If, if you know uh, Sunrise Boulevard, just south of Sunrise Boulevard there, uh, there's the Bonded House, an historical house today. Well, they actually found a wellhead from the original House of Refuge, was, which was at that location, built in 1876. And this guy that was the uh, House of Refuge keeper also kept a log. As a matter of fact, they kept a log at all of these locations. And his log on that day said at sunrise, the wind was blowing from the northeast, a gale. It was cloudy and very heavy surf. So he also had a northeast wind. But at noon, the wind was blowing a gale from the south-southwest, south-southwest wind, and it was raining. The wind backed from northeast to south-southwest between sunrise and noon, he said. Then at sunset, it was blowing from the south-southeast, blowing heavy, cloudy, and he says the wind back from south-southwest to south-southeast uh, between noon and sunset. So 
that means that the storm had to go near that location and maybe just a little bit north of that location based on those uh, directions. And we go up the coast. There's another one. This one's in Delray Beach. It was called the Orange Grove House of Refuge. All of them, by the way, were built exactly the same. They were made out of Dade County Pine to be very strong and, in theory, hurricane-proof when they were built in 1876. And the Orange Grove House of Refuge was located what today is just north of East Atlantic Avenue on A1A in Delray Beach. There's actually a marker there as you go up and look toward the beach side just north of Atlantic. And what he, the keeper there, wrote down was that he experienced a gale from the northeast at sunrise, just like everybody else, cloudy weather, heavy surf. Then at noon, he says a hurricane from the northeast, uh, cloudy weather, heavy surf. And then at sunset, a gale from the northeast again, he says. In other words, all northeast wind, he says, which doesn't sound very likely, but that's what he said, cloudy weather, heavy surf. Then he says, though, in the comments, notice, Hurricane commenced about 7 a.m. and finished about 3 p.m., blowing from the northeast to the southeast. So apparently when he put northeast at sunset up uh, in the report, he meant southeast because he corrected that in the comments below. And that makes sense. It makes more sense that it was southeast at, uh, at sunset or in the late afternoon after the storm had gone on by. So to kind of compile all those Winds, if you're watching this on video, I have a panel here for sunrise, a panel for noon, and a panel for sunset. So we had all northeast wind in the morning. That meant the storm was offshore, and we were getting the uh, northwest quadrant producing the northeast winds along the southeast coast here. Then at noon is when we have the various directions. And uh, the, uh, the guy up in Delray Beach still says northeast, but they say south-southwest at Fort Lauderdale. So if that's correct, it would appear that the circulation was just past Fort Lauderdale, probably not too far to the north to get the south-southwest wind in there. Now, maybe the timing is a little different. Remember, nothing is precise about these things. So he might have taken that reading a little bit later than noon, but still called it uh, noon, and that would make a little more sense. And you have this northwest wind at uh, Miami Beach. So apparently the storm was north of there. So uh, the thinking is that the storm came ashore somewhere just north of Fort Lauderdale and probably not very strong because, remember, nobody is reporting a super strong wind here. He called it a hurricane up in Delray Beach, and that may be because there was very strong high pressure to the north and the strong winds extended all the way up to Sebastian. So this may have been a strong tropical storm, Category 1 hurricane, something like that, that uh, had most of its strong winds to the north and not too much to the south because not much was reported. As a matter of fact, uh, the in the Thelma Peters paper, it wasn't even a noteworthy event on the 16th of August. So that lends credence to the fact that most of what happened happened to the north of Fort Lauderdale, at least uh, that's uh, best thinking right now. And here's the official weather map from 8 a.m. on that day, August 16th, uh, 1888. And offshore of South Florida, notice there is no low pressure system. So the map is just blank offshore, which also lends credence to the idea that this wasn't a very strong storm, that 
the people that were putting the weather map together in Washington really weren't aware of it uh, at 8 a.m. They did note a north wind at Key West, which would be consistent with a storm off the southeast coast, but it was very light. So they, they weren't thinking about any kind of significant low pressure off the southeast coast, again, letting, lending credence to the idea that it wasn't a, a very strong storm. Now, when we get inland, there's another weather report, and it came out of a place called Fort Meade. And Fort Meade was located to the east-southeast of the Tampa area, kind of uh, southeast of Lakeland, south-southeast of Lakeland, so way to the north. And this was uncovered by a researcher at the University of Miami, and the National Hurricane Center uh, researchers made note of this. Uh, and remember, we, we were talking about a storm coming here by Fort Lauderdale. So Fort Meade is a good way from Fort Lauderdale, especially if this is not a very strong storm. But here's what that uh, research indicated. That 9 a.m. on the 16th had a northeast wind at Fort Meade. That would make sense with a storm here off the southeast coast somewhere. And the pressure was fairly high. 3 p.m. northeast wind. Again, that would make sense because we were thinking that the storm was probably passing Fort Lauderdale at that time. So a northeast wind at Fort Meade made sense. 9 p.m., which is the next report, they reported again a northeast wind at Fort Lauderdale and a lower pressure. As you're going to see, that is a suspect uh, reading. 9 a.m. on the 17th, southeast wind at Fort Meade. That makes sense because by that time the storm is out in the Gulf. So why is it that the uh, report there of that northeast wind is suspect. Well, because if we look at the weather map from 8 p.m., so remember 9 p.m., uh, they're thinking uh, the, the report there is from the northeast, which would imply that the storm was still somehow to the east of that location. But at 8 p.m., so an hour earlier, here this is the weather map from the uh, Signal Corps, it was called at the time, the predecessor to the Weather Bureau, the predecessor to the National Weather Service. And they put this area of low pressure already in the Gulf at 8 p.m. that night. So there's no way that at Fort Meade the wind could be coming from the northeast. So I think that if this low pressure um, location is correct at 8 p.m., that it's just that the observation is incorrect and it was actually probably a southeast wind. And the, the evidence that we have that the map is correct with the low pressure well off of the west coast of Florida, the southwest coast of Florida, and not still over the peninsula at 8 p.m., is that we have, first of all, a south wind reported here at Key West. So uh, you can't have a south wind at 24 miles an hour at Key West if you have a storm that's to the east. The storm has to, the center of the storm has to be generally to the west of Key West or northwest of Key West, something like that, to get that south wind. And that's the official observation there at Key West. Not only that, there's a report from a ship that was in a newspaper article uh, from the New Orleans Times-Picayune. It's a ship called a steamer, the E.B. Ward. And they reported a gale blowing from the south on the 16th in the Florida Straits off the Tortugas. So, in other words, in the general area of Key West. So that kind of confirms the Key West report. And uh, when you have two there plus the weather map, that gives pretty good credence to the fact 
that the low was well past Fort Meade and indeed in the Gulf uh, at 8 p.m. So we're going with that idea. So to wrap all this up, uh, there's one additional fact that I want to throw out there uh, to convince you that this wasn't a very strong storm and uh, didn't have a big effect on the southeast coast. Besides the fact that, remember, Thelma Peters didn't even note it as a significant fact in the log uh, from the Houses of Refuge. So the additional fact is that none of the Houses of Refuge along the coast reported damage from the storm. Remember, these, these buildings were all sitting right on the beach. So if there was a big storm surge, clearly they would have been damaged. And of course, as we saw, visitors arrived by boat in the uh, Miami Beach location, the Biscayne House of Refuge, uh, on the 18th, two days later. So that's uh, kind of an additional piece of evidence. So the conclusion that I come to is that the storm could not have been very strong at the time of landfall near Fort Lauderdale, perhaps a strong tropical storm or maybe uh, a low-end Category 1. I, I think I'm leaning towards strong uh, tropical storm, but in any case, it needs more analysis from the folks at the National Hurricane Center to sort that out. And one more point, 38 years later, in 1926, September of 1926, both the Miami Beach and the Fort Lauderdale Houses of Refuge were essentially destroyed in the Great Miami Hurricane of September of uh, 1926. So that would lead us to believe that whatever happened in August of 1888 was nothing like the 1926 hurricane. The 1926 hurricane put about 10 feet of storm surge over uh, Miami Beach. So we're thinking that this is evidence that the 14-foot storm surge report is erroneous, that the, some of the wind direction reports are erroneous, and that the storm actually was much weaker and came ashore near Fort Lauderdale. At least that's my conclusion at this point. So putting all that together, my former colleague, uh, Michael Lowry, when we worked at the Weather Channel, did this for me, uh, drawing this proposed track here just north of Fort Lauderdale, going out just north of Naples. So it's a fairly weak storm as opposed to the original fairly strong hurricane coming at an angle uh, from uh, near Miami on up to near Fort Myers and out into the Gulf of Mexico. And to look at the wider view, you see they're not that terribly much different. You see the differences much more if you zoom in. But the idea is that it's a weaker storm when it impacts Florida, but then it joins up with the official track that's in the database now, and it's a pretty good hurricane that comes ashore in Louisiana, and uh, there are a lot of reports out of New Orleans that confirm this. There were also good reports out of Pensacola and so forth that confirmed that there was a hurricane to the south, so we have a lot of confidence that the storm uh, was in the Gulf and uh, it was tracked in the Gulf approximately right. It's here on the southeast coast where very few people lived that uh, we kind of doubt that the original reports were accurate. So I've turned all this over to the National Hurricane Center. They, are, they have a committee there that works on reanalyzing storms, and it's kind of in the hopper. They have a lot of storms to reanalyze. So I'm certainly looking forward to their analysis because they have some tools where they can look at the pressure readings, and they have a lot more experience than I do looking at these historic storms and uh, deciding what reports to consider, what reports to throw out, and so forth. But I've given them all the evidence I've found, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that sometime soon. So that's uh, the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I, if you have any thoughts, please get in touch with me. I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, until 
uh, Wednesday, we're going to have another podcast here with author Eric J. Dolan, who wrote a book uh, called Furious Sky. It's about 500 years of America's hurricanes. It's really a terrific book. Uh, I've read it uh, recently, and uh, you're going to enjoy hearing from Eric J. Dolan coming up uh, this Wednesday. Until then, for Luke Doris, I'm Brian Norcross. Have a good week. Stay safe. And everybody, please wear a mask.